It's good to see all of y'all, uh, whether you're here live or, or dead or however or you're watching online. Uh, we're just glad you're here worshiping with us. And uh, uh, I'm David. I'm the pastor. And Christmas is a time we celebrate. We love to celebrate uh, around here. You know, last Sunday night we had a big musical thing, and it was fantastic. Uh, with the choir we have, and then uh, Thursday nights, Christmas Eve, and we have the four, five, and six. Four o'clock is at capacity, and if you're planning on coming at four and you don't like crowds, which I don't think anybody in here would apply to, uh, you're going to come to five or six. And, you know, staff, we were celebrating. Staff, we get together and celebrate the pastors. We're celebrating with our wives uh, Friday night at our annual Christmas party. You may be thinking, you know, I'm supposed to be getting together. We're together, we're together all the time, so it doesn't really matter. So we're we're over at Joe and uh, Leanne Andrews' house, nice house, and, and, and I mean, it's, we're having a good time, and we're eating, and Joe's got one of these fancy sound systems, and he, where he, he's got somebody named Alexa that's in the house somewhere working for him, and he just says something, Alexa does it, you know, it's pretty cool, and so he says, Alexa, play Christmas music, and Alexa plays, and so we're sitting eating, and I guess there, there was one of the songs was on, that we didn't really want to, you know, Dolly Parton singing Christmas doesn't do much for us, so... Uh, Joe said, you know, Alexa, next song. And so I played the next Christmas song. I said, that's pretty cool. Can I try that? And he said, yeah. So I said, Alexa, play Freebird. And uh, Alexa does. And since it's Skinner, I said, Alexa, turn it up. And Alexa does. <laughs> and now you can't hear yourself eating because Leonard Skinner does not background music for anything. And so Joe says, Alexa, Christmas songs. And so I say, she can't hear you. It's too loud. I'll go do it. I want to see Alexa. Alexa's in the living room or by the, by the uh, fireplace. I want to see Alexa. So I go over there and say this thing. And there's this gadget up there. And I say, Alexa, play Christmas songs again. She starts playing the Christmas songs. And now in particular, what I want to hear, I say, Alexa, no Bing Crosby. I do not want to hear Bing Crosby. And I say, Alexa, no rocking around the Christmas tree. Can't stand that song. It is not a classic. It's just the song people play. And so I turn around and go back. And Leanne and Debbie are sitting next to each other. And Leanne is just cracking up. And then Debbie starts laughing. They're all looking at her. And I have this crazy look on my face. I said, what's wrong? And Leanne says, you were talking to the Nintendo Switch. <laughs> and I felt all of my 45 years of age at that point. <laughs> Here's the amazing thing. It still works. So I don't, I don't you know. We celebrate. I, I, I'm thinking 2020 needs to end at that moment. I'm tired of 2020. I know. You know, we, we have that mindset, 2020, uh, it's kind of just a lost year for us, I guess. And it was good for some people. I mean, so many people got married in our church. We had kids born in our church. <laughs> Looks like we're going to have a whole lot of kids born next year in our church. And uh, preschool's going to grow. And so with all of that, though, we just had this series about 2020. It's kind of the year that seems lost. Because it does seem kind of lost, doesn't it? Here's the thing. As bad as we may think 2020 is, there, yeah, it was nothing like the years back in the time when Christ came. When Christ came, every year was a lost year. Every year, and I shared this two weeks ago, was a year of just spiritual darkness, a spirit of evil. You know, Rome, the part of the world that ruled, was cruel and oppressive. And the world was lost. So Jesus came. When Jesus came, things changed. And Jesus, well, the potential change, and Jesus came and brought a new hope, and he brought a new song. And we're going to see today from Matthew, he brought a new joy. Jesus came. Joy came. We'll be in Matthew chapter 2 in just a moment, but here's what I want you to see in the message today. When the wisest men in the world came to Jesus, they found joy. When the wisest men in the world came to Jesus, they found joy. 
So we're going to begin a message today with really the journey that these guys took. Uh, I kind of look at it as a road trip. I call it the mysterious road trip because there were these mysterious guys on this mysterious trip. And uh, uh, in 1978, a movie came out that coined a lot of phrases. It was an iconic movie. And one of the phrases it coined was road trip. And in college, every time we went somewhere, it's road trip, road trip, road trip. And it's biblical because, you know, you look in Scripture, these guys took a road trip, you know. And, and it's, it's an amazing thing when you look at the story of, of the Manchai, where we're going to be today. It, it's a story, it's just beauty, it's, it's a simple story. Uh, we have made it, you know, uh, we have added a whole lot of stuff to it. But really, when you look at Matthew, God is just revealing something to us. And uh, the story begins, really, uh, when you think, when we think of the Manchai, we have this picture in our mind, right? We have like a postcard, you, you have three old guys on camels in the dead of night with a star loaded down with a lot of treasures just riding through the desert like no one's going to bother them at all. It's kind of the picture we have. They're going to make a trip. Or you have them in the nativity, you know, in the nativity you have, there's, there's Jesus and there's Mary and there's Joseph, there's an angel or two, there's a shepherd, there's a kid with a drum, there's some horses, and there's these three old guys. One is Anglo, because he represents Europe, and one is Asian, because he represents Orient, and one is African-American, he represents Africa, and they all have names. We, we, we just do all this stuff. <clears throat> but in its simplicity, Matthew reveals what the story is really all about. And so, verse 1 says this to us. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We saw a star in the east and have come to worship him. <clears throat> the story of the Magi, and the word Magi uh, come, is the word from we get to term magician, and this means those who are wise. These really are the story of wise men. There's no reason to think there were three. The reason we think there were three of them is because of the gifts. They gave three gifts, so we assume there were three, but, but most likely there were many more than that. that probably they were from the area of Persia. They came from the east. If you go back uh, to the Old Testament times in um, in 598, the Babylonians defeated Israel, and in in Judah, in 587, they destroyed Jerusalem. But when they did that, they took some of the brightest young men uh, with them back to the area of the Babylonians, to the lands of the Chaldeans. In the story of Daniel, we see that Daniel went, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, those guys, and, and they were raised to be wise men. They were raised to be counselors. They were raised to advise the king and, and, and the rulers. Uh, when the Persians, the medial Persian Empire, defeated the Babylonians, they kept this. And so in the area of Persia, they began to just develop over the centuries just this class, this group of, of, of men who were wise, men who were advisors. They, they studied the stars because in the stars there was consistency. In the stars there was science. They, discovered, uh, they studied other sciences. They studied literature. They studied religion and probably had different religious traditions. And some of them at least understood something about the religion of a guy named Daniel. Some of them at least were, were somewhat monotheistic. They either only worshipped one God or believed in one God, or, or if there were multiple gods, they only worshipped the one. And this was the God they knew about from the Hebrew people. And these men, they were not kings, but they were kingmakers. They trained up and educated the royalty. And it says that uh, they had come to Jerusalem. They had made this road trip. They had come many hundreds of miles. And, and, and most likely... You know, like I said, three guys on camels with a ton of gold, you know, and, and incense and myrrh are going to get robbed about five minutes outside of Persia. So, you know, probably because there was a large number of them to begin with, there were probably somewhere between 12 and, and 20 guys just from the Magi that took this trip. 
And these were wealthy, powerful men. They're not going to cook their own meals. They're not going to put up their own tents. They're not going to ride camels. They're going to ride horses. Camels will pack animals. And so they probably had one or two servants each. And there's no way the king of Persia, and Persia was another empire. Rome was not the only empire. It's the one we know of and know the most about from the Bible. It was the empire of that world around the Mediterranean. But the Persians and the Chinese and others had empires. And, and so and, and the Persian king isn't going to let these guys just go to Rome on his own. So he, he, he sends some of his elite guards. So probably another, you know, one or two each, another 20-something of these really tough soldiers. So you probably got this troop of 60 coming. And, you know, they just head to Jerusalem. That's where they end up. And when they get there, they go to the king and to the others because these were guys were royalty also. They could appear before, you know, Herod. They were almost of equal rank of Herod where they came from. <clears throat> and that said, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Interesting phrase. That not he has been born to be the king of the Jews. They said he is the king of the Jews, not Herod. <laughs> They're looking at Herod. You know, they don't consider him the king. They're looking for the one who is the king, who was born. Now, this, this is a crazy thing. Why would they think there was a king who has been born and it's not Herod? Because they knew something about the scriptures of the Hebrew people. They knew somewhere down in there in, in the Hebrew tradition, the Hebrew scripture, a man, someone was supposed to come, a Messiah. Someone from the line of David, the one true king. They said, we have seen a star in the east. Now, this, you know, this is, the star is probably the most... Unique thing about this, it causes a lot of, you know, speculation. Of what was the star and, and where did it come from? And, you know, where in the eastern sky would be the star? And literally what it says is we saw this star, this movement of light at its rising. The word east means at the rising. These were guys who were skilled in astronomy, the study of the stars. And they understood that there were lots of stars. They had no concept of how many stars we know there are or think there are, but they knew there was a bunch. And they saw something unique. Now, you can read and do research all you want about what this star was and, and is, and, and basically it's just a waste of time because we can't really know for sure. And I would just simply tell you this. It doesn't matter. Well, however God chose to do it, the God who, who can bring Jesus into the world and God who can bring Jesus back from the dead can create something to get the attention of the man And that's the most important thing. The star appeared and got their attention. It's not that the star continued and, you know, guided them all the way to Jerusalem. That's not what it says. It says it appeared and the appearance got their attention. And these guys said something has happened. These brilliant, genius men knew something happened. And so they headed to Jerusalem because somehow they believed that what happened was connected to the Jews. Actually, at that time, we know this from the first century uh, historians, Josephus, Tacitus, and Suetonius. There was a general sense of expectation in the world, even among pagans, that someone would come up or some group from the people of the Jews, the Hebrew, to do something that would liberate people. There was just this expectation. So these guys went. And notice what they said. We have come to find the king, not to, not to honor him, not to give him gifts, to worship him. The word worship means to bow down. It's to bow on your knees and to take, take your nose, your forehead, and place it on the ground before deity. You worship deity. These men did not worship kings. These men did not worship humans. They worshiped God. And they were looking for the king of the Jews, who they wouldn't understand to be God, to worship him. Because God revealed this to them. And here's the cool thing. The Magi did not follow a star to Jerusalem. Get this, they followed a revelation. These men were in Persia. They were doing their thing. They always did. The star appeared. 
the revelation of God appeared, and they understood. They got it. Something had to happen. And whatever was going to happen, it was going to be in the area of the Jews. And they took the road trip. And we see then, as we get to verse 9, verse 3 through 8, you know, they get there and, and, and they meet with Herod. And there's a lot there. We don't have time to go through all that. So we see in verse 9 this. After hearing the king, they were with Herod the king. They went on their way. And they were going to Bethlehem. They were told, go to Bethlehem. That's what the prophecy of Micah said. Go to Bethlehem. That's where the Messiah be born. And they went on their way. And behold, the star, which they had seen in the east, went on ahead of them until it came to a stop over the place where the child was to be found. So they headed to Bethlehem, a few miles to south, uh, south of Jerusalem. And that's what I said. The child, you know, the Messiah is to be born in Bethlehem. And that's where you go. That's what the scribes knew. And then the scribes went with them. And these guys just continued on their journey. And Bethlehem was a little old, little old nothing place. I mean, you know, just not many people live there. And, and, and the streets, I mean, you know, you went to the streets. The streets weren't like our streets. They're probably about the size of a driveway. Maybe it's one of these sections of chairs that wide. The houses were all packed together, just jammed. Uh, they had flat roofs, and the people, you know, could walk on them. And, you know, just, they were just all together. And can you imagine seeing when, when you're in this little bitty city that nobody cares about? You see off coming towards your city like 60 men. And they're got horses and the camels and they're soldiers, none, like none you've ever seen. Coming on, coming there to be with them. And they're making this trip. And these guys are coming, excitement bills and excitement bills, and people start talking. And, and, and these guys are coming, and, and there's a star. The star has come back. Now the star is leading them. And it's just leading them, just guiding them on into to the city of Bethlehem, right to where Jesus is going to be. Verse 10 says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They, they saw the star come back, and they knew the star was going to take them to the place of worship. And they had joy. And the idea of the joy is just that it's overflowing. It's, if you were to take a cup and put a little bit of water in, it kind of overflow a little bit. It doesn't mean that. It means you just keep pouring and pouring and pouring. And it's just, just overflowing like a spring bursting up. They had all this joy. And joy is not happiness. I mean, we kind of th- confuse that with happiness. Happiness is things that, can, you know, that occurs to us. We want to be happy. But happiness can become sadness on Christmas Day. You know, you're going to get a gift. They're happy. 30 minutes later, they break it and they're sad. And you're sad because you spent four hours putting it together. And a lot of money. And it's done. It's over. That, that's, that's, that's not joy. You may have joy in that the kids are happy with their gifts. And, and I get that. And, and, and that joy is similar. But joy is a condition that is not subject to what happens outside of us. It's interesting, in the Greek, the word grace, the word joy, and the word thanksgiving all have the same Greek root. And in fact, in fact with, with grace and joy, when you're reading in the Greek text, sometimes if you don't, you know, unless the context tells you, you don't know if it's grace or joy because it looks the exact same. Grace is something that comes to us from God. Grace produces joy, and joy and grace produce this thankful heart. They just had joy because they were going to go find the Messiah. And then it comes to verse 11, and this verse, so cool, so important. After they had come into the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they fell down and worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented to him gifts of gold and incense and myrrh. Now, I just want you to picture this. Because this, this, the, the beauty of this verse is its simplicity, but we just, in our English, we just, we just don't grasp what's fully going on. These guys were coming into the city. And as they came into this little town, people just began lining the streets wondering who they were. And they came, and, and this, this 
this whole caravan, this entourage of 60 guys, they would come to this house. And then the, the, the chief servant of the chief magi, the oldest guy, that servant would, would go into the house and knock on the door to make sure they were the right place, you know. And, and they, would, they would see that they were there with where they needed to be. And they would tell him, Joseph, what's going to happen? And Joseph and Mary would kind of sit down with the baby and then he'd get comfortable. And then he would go get the man he served, the eldest of the Magi. And he would get off his horse. And he would get down where the robes were flowing and all his grandeur and all his splendor. He'd walk into the house, this humble little apartment, just a few hundred square feet. And this old man who made kings, who helped build empires, this old man would just get on his knees, put his face to the ground. He would look at that child. He says, you are Lord, and I give my life to you. And he would get up, back on his horse, and let the next guy go. And the next guy go. And they would fall down. Not in front of the baby. They would fall down in front of God. In the flesh. And they knew that. And they worshipped. And they worshipped. And proclaimed him. Lord. And when they would finish. A servant would come with the others. And they would take some gold and the incense and the myrrh. And they would say these are a token. Of our commitment. And we give them as a gift to you. And with great joy and with great celebration, having worshiped the one they sought all their life, they left and went home. And the beauty of this little picture is this is Christmas. When hope and a song and joy came into the world so that we might worship God and all our sin be taken away. At the birth of Jesus, for the first time in a long time, there was a reason to celebrate. There was a reason for joy. Mysterious road trip it was a journey of faith, a journey of worship. It was a journey of joy, a joy all of us can have. At Christmas, all of us can take the journey of joy. So I want to ask you this question today. As we get ready for Christmas, where is your joy? Where's your joy? Because as a follower of Christ, we should have joy. If you don't have joy, maybe it's because you're not a follower of Jesus. It's kind of hard to have joy when your sins are keeping you from God. It's kind of hard to have joy when your life is a life of rebellion. And some of you are followers of Christ, but just saying, well, I really don't have joy. You do have it. You're, just, you're letting it get away from you. I hear people say, don't let someone rob you of your joy. No one robs you of your joy. You give your joy away. Joy is there. It's a condition of faith. I mean, I say condition, not a condition to have faith, but it's the result of faith. When you have faith, you have joy. If you're not experiencing joy, why? Have you become embittered? Have you, have, have you had animosity in your life? Are you full of sin? Are you unforgiving? Why is there no joy? Christmas needs to be a journey of joy. Let me just say this. The journey of joy 
begins with God. It does. It's a journey that begins with God. We don't come up with it on our own. We don't just sit around and say, you know what? I think today I'm going to start a journey. I'm going to look for joy. No, no. God. God does it. That, the Manchite, they were in Persia. They were just doing their thing. And all of a sudden, these guys, these brilliant guys, they saw this star appear. Like, what's going on? And a whole bunch of them got together. And what do you think it means? And a group of them said, well, I don't know, but I know this. We're going, we're going to go to Jerusalem to find out. That's where we're going. We're going to go because we don't know where else to go. And they just, they went off. It's crazy. They, they, didn't, they didn't know what they were doing. They just went. <laughs> you know what I find amazing? They didn't have any directions. They just headed in, in, in a general place, a general direction. They didn't have any specifics. They didn't know what they were doing. Guys, we love that, right? That's us. We don't need directions. We don't need a plan on a trip. We just get to like, where are we going? It's different between guys and gals. Women, they want to plot the whole, you're, you're, you're going to go somewhere. Guys, we're like, give us, give us, are we going east, west, north, or south? I'll find it. Give me a landmark, right? Where am I going? It's by Cracker Barrel. I'll find it. It's by, Star, it's by Rudy's Barbecue. I'll find it. It's by Starbucks. Which one? The one next to Rudy, Rudy's. Oh, you narrowed it down. It's closer. <sighs> Women aren't that way, man. They want specific directions. Well, my wife, I love my She'll tell you. She'll, God bless her. She'll get lost in that parking lot out there if she's not careful. She'll tell you. She's in direction. And most of you women, most of you will. That's why we have guys directed. It's not for the guys. It's, it's for the gal. We were going to eat. In, um, the other day we were going to eat, and we were going to uh, in El Paso. And there was a place. There were several of them. And I knew where a couple of them were. But I wanted one that was closer. And I said, just give me an idea. And so she, you know, it was... Here's, here's, guys, here's how, you know this. You know, this is what your wife's doing. Your wife gives directions. She reads the thing exactly. Go 30 feet and turn right out of your driveway and go to the guy. So she's just telling me all this stuff. I said, man, I know, give me, is there, is there like an exit number? She said, well, yeah, exit number eight. I'm like, well, that's, why didn't you lead with that? No, that's what I need. That's all I need. I got exit number eight. And she goes, okay, well, once you get to exit number eight, you'll start, you know, like, no, 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 I don't need it. All I need is the exit number. Because when I get to the exit, I, I got it. And I did. We got to the exit number eight. Thirty minutes later, we were right where we needed to be. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Not kidding. One time in the parking lot, we're in the parking lot where the restaurant is, and she hit me and said, "I told you if you'd gone there, you'd beat that car to that spot." I'm like, "You got to give me a break. I'm here." You know the manager? They just went. They just went to Jerusalem. And here's the amazing thing: they went because God said, "Hey, just go. We'll get you there. When you get there, we'll be fine." You know who God didn't appear to? He didn't appear to all the ability and all the royalty of the Jews. No, he, in Luke, he appeared to the shepherds. The shepherds were the lowest of the low. The angels came to the shepherds and said, hey, God, good news, a great joy. There's a Savior who's been born in the city of David. They didn't go to the priests. They went to the shepherds. Where did they go? God went 600 miles away to a group of Gentiles. Said, hey, here's a star. And they said, Star? Let's go. You know why? Because God, God, God always does the revealing. Revelation of God is ultimately found in Jesus, which means this, that the journey of joy leads us to Jesus. It always does. Jesus, one of the fundamental doctrines of our faith is that Jesus is the complete and full revelation of God to us. <laughs> and they, they, they went to Jesus. And when they went to Jesus, they're right there, and the stars appears now, and leads them in there. They're so overcome with joy because they're going to go to Jesus. They don't even know his name. They're just going to Jesus. 
They're going to the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And they're just overflowing with joy. When you come to Jesus, man, your life should be overflowing with joy. If you say, I'm a follower of Christ and there's no joy, what is wrong with you? What happened in your life that you gave your joy away? What happened to you that you had the joy and you say, I don't want it anymore? Man, joy every day of my life. So what if 2020 was a bummer of a year? I get it. I hate all the stuff you hate. (laughs) Stop right there. I get it. But it's a day where Christ still reigns. And Christmas, it's so good that we're wrapping 2020 up with Christmas, you know? Because there's joy. But here's the other thing. The journey of joy ends with commitment to Jesus. It's one thing to come to Jesus. Oh, but you've got to give yourself to him. You know, the, the, the Jewish leaders who told him that the, the Magi where Jesus was, the Messiah was born in Bethlehem, they could have gone to Jesus. They didn't. They didn't make no commitment. Herod's going to go and try to kill him a few verses later. I mean, you, you can come to Jesus, and a lot of people will come to Jesus at Christmas. They're expo- There's Jesus everywhere. Christ, Jesus everywhere. Savior, you know, everywhere. But they'll never make the commitment. And those old men who were so wise, who would never bow before any child, who would never worship a king. They'll honor a king. They'll honor the king of Persia. They didn't worship him. <laughs> they got on their knees, and they worshiped Jesus. And they gave their life to him. And they left with joy. They had found the Savior of the world. They had been looking for him all their life. They had been studying and reading everything and trying to learn everything. All, all, all of their adult life, at least, they had been looking and searching and trying to make sense of the universe. It all made sense in Jesus. Without a commitment to Christ, you can't really have joy. You can have happiness. But you've got to give your life to the Lord. That's what Christmas is really about. It's about salvation. God came. We're, we're sinners. We're separated from God. We know that. Our sin is just separated us from God. Moved us from God. And, and God, God sent Jesus, and Jesus became that bridge that we can all travel back to God. And, and traveling back to God is a trip of joy. It's a journey of joy. And when you're a follower of Christ, there's joy. And some of you, there's bitterness in your heart, and there's resentment, and there's anger. And you've got to let go of that because that's on you. You've got to say, God, I don't want that bitterness. I don't want that resentment. I don't, I don't want that animosity in my life. I don't want it. I want joy. And committing your life to Christ brings joy. You know, it's Christmas. We love to celebrate. We do. That's why, we, that's why you know, people say, are you going you're gonna to tone down what you guys are doing? I said, no, man. If it's up to me, we'll ramp it up. Because nothing keeps us from celebrating Jesus. And if there's ever a time to celebrate, it's Christmas. If there's ever a time to experience joy, in a really frustrating year. It's Christmas. You see, worship, celebration, and joy are all connected in Jesus. To trust Jesus is to live your life with joy. So if you don't have joy, 
It's because you're not trusting your life to Jesus. And if you will trust your life to Jesus, you will have joy. Friday. Now, I'm kind of looking forward to Friday, Christmas. I, I've been pretty good this year. I've got to be honest. I've been good. I really have. And I think I'm expecting Santa to do some pretty cool things in my life Friday. <laughs> Hope Santa got my list. <laughs> but I know this. If I wake up Friday and there's nothing else, if it's just another day, I'll have joy. Because the only gift that really matters ultimately is Jesus Christ. Every day is Christmas. Every day of our life is joy. 2020 may be a year that's lost, but it's just a year. It doesn't matter. What really matters is you. You don't want to be lost. You don't want to be without joy. So if you've never experienced joy, you can. You can trust Christ to be your Savior. You don't have to do anything fancy. You don't have to take a long physical journey. You don't have to do anything. But right now, just in your heart, do what those guys did physically and literally. Bow before Jesus and say, you are the Lord of my life. I give my life to you. You can do it watching over the Internet, on YouTube, however you're watching. You can do it right here, right now. Jesus, here's my life. I want the joy. In a few moments, there'll be some of us standing here. You can come talk to one of us about experiencing that joy and experiencing it for real in your life. Some of you are followers of Jesus, and you have the joy. You're just not living with the joy because you're letting it get away from you, and it's no one to blame but you. So maybe today you need to come to Christ and say, you know what? I have not lived with joy because of me. Forgive me, Jesus, for my resentment, my bitterness, my animosity. Forgive me for being an unforgiving person. Forgive me for letting my joy get away. Restore to me the joy of salvation. We'll pray with you if you want. If you want us to pray for somebody in your family, I got it. You know, Christmas is coming. A lot of family members may be coming. We'll pray for you. If you want to join our church, someone did in the last service, we want you to do that as well. But here's the thing. As, as we depart from this place today, let's leave here as 2020 ends with the hope with the song, with the joy of Jesus. Father, for the greatest gift of all, Christ our Lord, we thank you. And you sent Jesus so that we might bow before him and proclaim him Lord of all. Just like a group of wise men did over 2,000 years ago. Let us now, today, Receive that unbelievable joy that's in Christ, proclaiming him Lord, and then living every day of our life with the joy of Jesus, the salvation that is ours. Father, let us have a great year and a great experience in Christ with all the hope, with all the praise, and with all the joy that comes in Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen and amen. We'll be here at the front if you want to come. Stand up and sing with us, and we'd love to see you.